And, and just one thing to add, part of the Western Springs tradition every Friday night was, because with this being the OG panel, it did make me think that we would, oh the start God. of every Friday night would start with an OG game, is what we called it. They uh, never gave me the OG status, by the way. And basically <laughs> had to... Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we're going to go back to the uh, OG roots, and this time we're actually going to shift over to the uh, to the North uh, with the North Panel OG discussion. And uh, helping me do so, joining me this evening is going to be uh, Devin McManus, Kat Takeda, Glenn Spacer, Brett Furlong, and Felix Peroni. Guys, uh, thanks so much for hopping on. And if you guys are familiar with the West Coast OG Panel, uh, it's kind of just like a, an opportunity to kind of just talk about the history of the north um and i might need a little bit of help with this because again when i think north i think like great lakes area so um i guess what we can do is we, we start with the introduction start with you Devin. just why don't you go ahead and give me like your your name the team you're most known for how long you've been playing dodgeball and i guess uh, where you're from that would probably help too all right uh Devin mcmanus um i am from chicago i've been playing uh for in it's my 13th year right now um and uh, I am the captain of Chicago Kaiju. Is probably the team I'm most well known for. Okay, was, were you uh, were you super friends at one point? Like that's popping up. Yeah, we were super best friends for a, for a few years. Okay, we'll probably go back to that. I think once we get into like the NDL, maybe. And um, cool. And then you said you've been playing for 13 years. So doing some math, what would that be like? 2000. About 2005 is when I started. Awesome. It's gonna be one of those competitions to see who's the oldest here. Probably gonna win, but um, cool. And uh, <laughs> you, Kat? Uh, I'm Kat Takeda. I my most recent team was Chicago Kaiju. Uh, I've been playing for I'm gonna say like twelve and a half years, and I'm from Chicago. Awesome. And then NW and was it Dodgeball World Order? Was that where you're from, or so? Yeah. So my first elite team was DWO. DWO. But I actually played for Chicago Task Force, aka Task Force Unicorn, before that. Task Force Unicorn. I'm almost prior to the elite rebranding formation. Gotcha. And then uh, speaking of Task Force Unicorn, Glenn, how about you? Um, I've been playing for 15 years. I currently play on Thieves, which is a West Coast team since I live in Los Angeles. But my North team was um, Chicago Task Force. Awesome. Can't forget about the OG Hammer Time, boy. Uh, that was the that was the very first team, legendary team. <laughs> OG Hammer Time or Hammer Time? It just Hammer Time. Okay, I gotta, definitely got to get into that one. Um, oh, God. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and how about you, Brett? Uh, I've been playing since 2002, so 17, I think. Um, most well known for being on Chicago Task Force, probably at this point in my career. So. And his original team was the Queens? Uh, original team was the Kings. Oh, the Kings. And then, uh, 
then we just yeah then we just named a team Western Springs Dodgeball and then yeah then came on board I played with Task Force Unicorn and some stuff and then uh, Chicago Task Force when we rebranded gotcha 17 years all right so you're so far you're you're in the lead and uh how about you felix uh i've been playing since 04 so coming up on 15 years and uh i guess the team i'm most known for recently would be the columbus gamecocks i was at uh, western kentucky university for six years in the ncda my first team was uh bdb the uh the broke dick bastards. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Gonna have to believe out some of that maybe, but... Uh, yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing, was this a recreational team or what, what was this? Yeah, I was on a, uh, a rec team and I was the youngest person there by uh, probably 30 years. Oh, <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a bunch of dads, so... They named the team, and I just hopped on as a young, spry fourteen-year-old. Not, not yet broken, right? Still, not still. yet broken. <laughs> Good God! Oh man, you gotta love those like old men teams. Um, I'm not gonna name any of the team names that I've been seeing uh, back in my rec league days, but um, there's some good ones that pop up. That, that's that's a good one. Well, um, yeah. So as I said, guys, you know, it's it's awesome being able to kind of learn about uh for lack of better words like the history of dodgeball that obviously with the podcast that is what i'm ultimately after is just kind of helping you know solidify the dodgeball story and you know i could trace my dodgeball roots all the way down to 2003 um so i think as far as like organized dodgeball goes um there's some guys on the west coast that have me beat and then brett definitely you so i want to kind of talk about some of the comments you guys made with uh, 1999, so I think that might be the earliest um, mention that I've caught of, of of dodgeball actually happening. So, is that something that you can kind of talk to you about regarding um, Chicago dodgeball in 1999 and kind of paint the picture of where that came from, what that was like? Um, yeah, back in, I mean, this is before my time, so a lot of what I know is uh, secondhand, but. Um, 99, uh, Schaumburg Park District outside of Chicago created a created National Amateur Dodgeball Association and decided a Halloween tournament, um, then their national indoor tournament uh, over kind of winter break and um, outdoor nationals, which was an, which was pretty much the only outdoor tournament, and it was all eight and a quarter foam ball. Um, Ew. At that same time, Western Springs Dodgeball was started uh, by Jimmy Osterhout and Brad Rackow, um, where they initially started playing rubber dodgeball at Western Springs. Um, but I think after a few uh, smashed faces, because they did play, they did play co-ed back then, and it was kind of. It, they just played on a big basketball court um, with pretty loose lines and uh, no real set rules. Um, that I think they then switched over to eight and a quarter foam, um, just for kind of uh, just to let everyone be able to kind of have success at it and to be able to go into NADA tournaments and be familiar with the play style. Um, so I think. Uh, 
Shadow was really kind of the first organization to like have any legitimacy towards dodgeball. I mean, they had you got a shirt every tournament. You they had a, a printed out rule book. They had their logos on balls. They had uh, they had everything. Um, so I mean, they they that Schaumburg Park District really invested time and money into. Uh, kind of pushing dodgeball to some legitimacy, um, and it br- it brought a lot of people, a lot of people in right off the bat. So, um, and that's where Western Springs kind of uh, kind of grew off of Nada. Gotcha. So, at least in that area, um, Nada was like, I guess, how we would see elite dodgeball or maybe even going back a little bit further the national dodgeball league it was one of the more prominent uh dodgeball entities out there and then western springs was that like a like a league in competition or they're just kind of doing their own thing or that was just like another is this all part of the same city or area brett can Uh, i ask uh where did did jimmy and uh brad get inspired to want to play dodgeball I'm not a hundred percent sure. I did I, when when I found out we were doing this. I shot a message over to Jimmy and just kind of asked him. Um, he he didn't have time to get back to me, but it. Um, I'm not sure if they found out about Nada first and were like, "Hey, there's a dodgeball tournament. Let's go do that." Because they were high school kids, hmm. um, or if they were already playing dodgeball and then found out about Nada that way. Uh, but I, I don't know the true inspiration between starting Western Springs Dodgeball. Um, it just kind of, I, I think the two just kind of coincided at the same time and uh, both kind of grew from there. Um, but uh, Steve, what was your question? Oh, I was just wondering, and I, I think you kind of um, picked that up with that second question. Uh, just like where did Western Springs get their motivation and were they just kind of running in tandem with NADA, or were they trying to compete with NADA, or were they just like doing their own thing, like an independent no, NAD, league? Uh, Western Springs was basically just a rec league. It was open gym, pick up dodgeball every Friday night from eight thirty to ten thirty. You paid two bucks at the door. You came in and threw balls at each other. We picked team. We picked new teams every night. Um, we do that. We pick up some. We someone would figure out four captains. Four captains would go do a draft. Just people go stand on the wall, get picked. When you picked, go stand in line for your team. And then we we only had two courts. You had a top court, and a bottom court. Um, if you won your one game, you either moved up or stayed at top court. If you lost, you went down or stayed at bottom court. And then you just kind of played all night, kind of rotating. And there's no winner at the end of the night. There was no one got anything out of it. Just the exercise and the fun of playing. I mean, completely harmless um there was never any strategy it was purely just hero ball and everything we talk about that you should not do these days that's all west and it was trash talking like you couldn't like you it, it was a just a free-for-all um and then when nada started uh hosting their tournaments western springs put together teams they put together competitive teams those competitive teams never practiced going into a tournament. It was, we're just going to show up at the tournament and win it off talent. I mean, every team was full of high school kids, and they just went at it. I mean, the top three competitive teams at the time, um, kind of up until 2004, I think, were um, 
you had the Queens, which is a, a men's team. You had Team Rad, and it was spelled with an extra D for Dodge. And then you had uh, the Grand Mercy Riffs. And then we also had a women's team, the Snakeettes, because um, NADA had a women's division. So we had four competitive teams go to every tournament. And, I mean, it wasn't out of the question for us to take all three top spots. Um, I mean, from 2001 to 2011, Western Springs team won every NADA tournament. And I know Glenn hates to hear me say that, but <laughs> <laughs> it was the decade of dominance. God. <laughs> hey, at least Ben's not in on this conversation. I know. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's, um, yeah, so Western Springs, we did foster a competitive culture, but it was purely within ourselves to beat each other. And the, the goal of every tournament was how do we get the top three spots or how do we get the top? And you know what's more infuriating, Steve, is like these guys would go hard Friday night for like two or three hours and then they would play a full tournament the next day and be and like be fresh yeah, we can't do that anymore <laughs> yeah when you're in high school you can you can pretty much do anything you just um, rejuvenate without without any problems at all yeah i mean i, I mean in to the lengths we would go to guarantee like our top three teams would win or at least be able to to get the top three spots i mean i mean my very first tournament we showed up and i was playing we just made some random team for like the new kids and it was we were called lambs to the slaughter i mean it's a very <laughs> name but we show up and how nada had broken the pools down it because back in the day they didn't take like they didn't do like a seating they do if you won your pool you were like 1a and then there was like a 1B for the B pool. There's like a 1C. And then the top seeds all went to their respective brackets. Well, however it worked out, we, we weren't going to be able to have like two of our top teams were like in the same pool. So we wouldn't be able to capture, like we wouldn't be able to all meet at the center of the bracket. So we actually ended up just, because back, you didn't fill out rosters. We just said, the new kids, you guys are now Team Rad, and Team Rad is now going to be playing as Lambs of the Slaughter, and just so the pools would work out perfectly for us, and then we would all, the top three teams would converge. I don't know where my team finished, but we didn't win anything, because um, we, we were all brand new, but uh, I mean, that was the length, like when we were competitive, that was the length of the competition. We would, like, we would do whatever we had to do to guarantee victory. Um, I mean, aside from blatantly cheating, but like within the, <laughs> which I'm glad Glenn will probably argue about as well. But, and having <laughs> Slim on the side court, just, oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a competitive atmosphere at WSDB, but it was, when you came to a rec league, it was purely fun. Not, I mean, you tr tr talk trash and just everyone went out for pizza afterwards. It was a Friday night thing for high school kids. That's so crazy because that um, that parallels that 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 parallels a lot of like how Tucson got its start, where we just play open gym and it was just a massive free for all, hero ball as you put it. And there's like no real rhyme or reason to it. We would play until like three o'clock in the morning because we literally cannot stand up anymore. And then we find out about organizations like NADA. We're like, why can't that be here? 
Um, and this was what I think is crazy is like this is before the movie, so it, it just seems like something happened. Like there's this like universal shift towards consciousness where people want to start playing dodgeball for some crazy reason. Do you know? Um, like, was there any? It's hard to phrase this question, but like before the movie, was there any motivation to play dodgeball? Like, was it just something you came across? Like, hey, that sounds like a fun thing to do. Yeah, was there a lot of team turnout too before the movie? Yeah, it was pretty good turnout because back um, back in the day there was, um, uh, I mean, with it within our high school, I should say. Like, we, I went to a pretty big high school, but we still got a big turnout. But it wasn't something you heard kids talking about in the hall. It was uh, um, because Jimmy and uh, Brad were both big on the cross country and track team. Basically, you had the entire cross-country team come play dodgeball. And then there was spillover. Some of the cross-country kids also were skateboarders. So then you had a bunch of skateboarding kids come in and play. Um, I mean, this, was, this wasn't this was a gym full of baseball players and basketball players and like a typical athlete. These were all just either cross-country kids or um, I don't want to say outcasts, but I mean, I was these weren't that. your typical – well, like they're not your typical athlete, and that's kind of what I think made everything so fun. Is I mean, you didn't have like baseball pitchers coming in. You did kind of at the end, um, but uh, I mean, it was just it was a good time all around. No one felt it was a purely an. In, I mean, Western Springs. We did at one point have to say we do have to start being nice to people, otherwise they won't come <laughs> back because the, the trash talking is it does kind of get out of hand. I mean, and it can turn some people off, but it was uh, it was all just um, lighthearted stuff. It's all uh, meant to just kind of be in good fun, but at the same time, you you don't want to alienate people because you want them to stick around and still play, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was all. In, <clears throat> I mean, it was all just to kind of keep gameplay going. I mean, we always we we play against teams at tournaments would hold the ball or do stuff, and it, that's infuriating for us because we just like to throw. Just throw, 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 throw. But I mean, we just beat teams with strategy, or with overall talent rather than strategy back in those days. So, um, yeah, and you can't you can't do that anymore. I mean, you, you can no, you can, it's, a, it's a completely different sport now. Yeah, that's like always like the funniest thing is just watching like videos of, of us playing back even even in like in the NDL days. We're like, oh, we thought we were so good back then. And you watch these videos, and like that, that team had no idea what they were doing. Like, there's no way in heck that would ever actually fly on the elite court now. And it's always just fun to kind of point back to that. And um, I do kind of want to move on towards. Uh, I think the next step would be um, Felix. You mentioned DePaul Dodgeball Club started officially in 2000, January. Yeah, yeah, January 2000. Um, I have the official paperwork somewhere. It's in one of my files, but it's been a museum uh, now. They started, and uh, they they were the first official club that we have record of. Um, uh, Kent State University and Ohio State were next. They actually played the first intercollegiate game that, that again, that we have record of, and uh, they played in March of 2003 at Kent State, and the score was, like, 16 to 14. Apparently, the game lasted, like, three and a half hours long. Uh, there wasn't really rules. Um the guys I talked to that actually played in the game, they said it was like 30 on 30 across two gyms, uh, two like basketball courts with a bunch of balls. So I think it was just like absolute chaos, but it kind of kicked things off. And uh, Michigan State 
joined the next year, the next school year, and uh, their founder and president, Alex Bomas, he uh, he kind of started making college dodgeball more legitimate. He started putting a, a rule book around everything and trying to organize games and the national tournament and all of that. Um, so that's kind of when everything kicked off for the NCDA. So how, why, um, do you have any idea why dodgeball? Like, cause again, it, it makes sense anytime to, and I hate to point it all to the movie, but like that was when the boom happened, unless, uh, unless somebody wants to argue that, but like before 2004, yeah. it was just like, it was like for us again, going back to Tucson, it was just like a bunch of random kids that had nothing better to do with themselves that just wanted to play any kind of game. And we had kind of evolved into dodgeball from capture the flag. So like. For an actual college institution to pick up dodgeball, do you, do you know why they, like, why? Do they just run out of sports, or, I mean... I think what it is is, um, <clears throat> dodgeball's been an intramural sport for a very long time, just because it's anything that the fraternities and sororities can compete against to get their, their points. Right. So I think um, it started off with just, like, hey, we had a lot of fun at the intramural tournament this spring. Why don't we do this more often? And then people just started playing... Uh, more frequently and it's very easy at universities to start a, uh, an RSL a registered student organization so I think it just came down to players just saying like yeah alright uh, I wouldn't mind playing dodgeball more than once a year and then you play amongst yourselves and that gets boring so you start scouring the internet and you find out that another school has a dodgeball club and um, that's just kind of how things kicked off in the what we call the dark days of the NCDA the dark days i mean the dark days the barnstorming days were uh, as me and devin were kind of talking about earlier um i think i don't know if this has been used in any official capacity but i know that tillman kind of coined that term where you know we like you said back before myspace even before facebook uh we'd somehow hear about a tournament somewhere in phoenix or you know somewhere in tucson and we would just kind of drive hoping that it was there and if we can get you know four or five of the same exact ball type, then that was a that was a great tournament that that, that had a lot of promise. So like the dark ages, or I mean that's that's kind of how I see it. Like I feel like honestly, mm-hmm. two thousand four, the movie that's in in kind of a nerdy way. That's like the Big Bang. Like that's when dodgeball started taking shape more. Did uh do, do you remember what the rule sets were like back then, or was it was it similar to what you guys have now, or um. Dep- DePaul rules have always been weird. Kat, I'm sure you had more experience with that. <laughs> yeah. Former, former DePaul alumni here. Um, Excellent. So I mentioned earlier in our group chat that so two members of DePaul Dodgeball, Paul Pater and Connor Dempsey, they were both in DePaul's film school. So they filmed a documentary about DePaul Dodgeball that they, it was, it's like nine years old. Um, and Paul actually sent me the password because it's a password only viewer, uh, viewership only now. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, so they like they took it down and they had plans to repost it. So he gave me the password to it. But pretty much, it's an hour and ten minute long movie that they made um, <laughs> that kind of goes through how the Paul Dodgeball got started, what it became. Um, so they actually have footage from those games like those integral beginning matchups between other schools um it like when you look at it now it looks pretty Awful. dated <laughs> it's pretty funny too i remember watching it 
Um, but it's like as far as like the people who chose to play, it's really no different than how Brett described it. Like people came in with really no I don't want to say no athletic background because they were all athletic in some form or way. Um, Molly Fannin, she I think was one of the only females that played um, was a softball pitcher. So she had the sickest underhand throw. Like she predated Paige by a good 10 years. Um, then you had Ryan McGeehan, who actually went on to work for Facebook and now I think is a consultant for like internet security. Hmm. Um, he jumped so high. Um, but yeah, it was just like this random group of people that decided that they were going to start playing. And uh, it honestly, I, I don't doubt that those first games were complete chaos because that's how DePaul is every single dodgeball night. And Devin and Glenn have been to alumni nights and they've been there when I went there. Um, she scared the crap out of me. But literally it was whoever showed up. So some nights it was 20 v 20. Other nights it would be like 30 to 45 people per side. And it was just as many balls as we could fit on the court. There was a neutral zone and catches didn't count. Oh so yeah, okay. that's right. In order to get out, you either had to have no one in your outline to, so if you caught them, the only reason is if you couldn't catch anyone back in is when the catches counted. And dirty blocking counted too. Oh, Dur- that, yeah, dirty blocking term. counted. Um, there was absolutely no organization to opening <laughs> whatever ball you could get to first. Um, which those like the NCDA rules have changed a lot since Felix and I started playing. Um, but that's how it was in 2007 when I played. So you would go to a tournament and you'd have 15 versus 15 and it was just 30 kids running at 10 balls. Didn't just, matter which one it was. Straight up like Braveheart style, like medieval battles. Yeah. That, and I then like that. over the course of the years, they changed the format, um, which is, they changed the format to make it safer. And that's actually when I almost broke my face so it really wasn't that much safer. That much of an improvement there. It was I'm more. It was, it's safer because uh, it's no body to body contact, but it's it's not safer from a throwing perspective. Well, because those, we, the four balls in the center were still open game. Yeah, that's true. And then, the, so I collided with like a six foot three player from Nebraska, and then <laughs> because balls were live, immediately got hit in the face right after. <laughs> Sorry. it's 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 well in the past so i feel like i can (laughs) yeah no i mean i sacrificed part of a tooth it's fine um but yeah so like there really was no semblance of any sort of i don't know i don't want to say safety but yeah it was pretty much a free-for-all and if you were smart you just hung out in the back until enough people got out to actually play man i I missed that style of dodgeball. Like, like, cause again, go back to Tucson, we'd have like 30 on 30, 40 on 40, just battles. And like within each battle, there's like little pockets of skirmishes here and there. And you just, you had no idea who was going to try to hit you. And it just made you so aware as a player. And it was just so much fun, but in the name of safety, in the name of like progressing the sport and the game, you know, that, that slowly turned into like eventually, you know, six V six. And there was a, a point to it. Um, kind of like what Brett was saying earlier, where, you know, there's, you're trying to win, you're trying to, you know, achieve some kind of rank or, or what have you. 
Um, earlier though, Cad, I think Devin said that he you scared him. Uh, Devin, do, oh, yeah. is that you? And what do you mean by that? Uh, so <laughs> the first time Glenn ever invited me to come to a um, a DePaul alumni night, me and him ended up on opposite teams, and we were just going after each other. And then I hear my team yell, "We need a catch!" And fr- I hear a throw, I hear a solid thunk, and I just hear like s- what sounds like a mad woman yelling, "What in?" And then another catch, <laughs> and she keeps yelling this, and I'm like, "Who the f- is that?" And I turn, and like she's just like catching like all these like burly dudes just chucking balls at her and I'm like that is terrifying and then Glenn proceeded to wreck me in the junk <laughs> nice <laughs> no so that chill. just cemented in your in your memory forever I'm assuming oh yeah I was like I was I was like man she is terrifying but I'm glad she's on my team <laughs> <laughs> what were you what were you yelling? light light in Line in? One, one, in. In. one in. Oh, one in. Because you're it. playing on a full basketball court with so yell it. like 30 people on your team. So if you don't yell one in, there's a like you would have to scream it probably like three or four times before the person standing in the outline even realized that there was a catch because there's so much going on that like like I said, it's complete chaos. So you had to protect yourself from getting hit in the outline you had to pay attention to if there were catches and it was it was ridiculous oh yeah by the way we were the ones who kept baby shark alive i just needed everyone to know that (laughs) i know it's a huge thing right now but baby shark has been a thing since i started playing in 2007 that was the weirdest (laughs) thing ever at nationals 20 or 2009 uh, we were playing to Paul, and they all just started singing this song that Wait. nobody has ever heard of before. Like, why? What, what are they doing? <laughs> Wait, so that the the Baby Shark song has been around. We since would then? sing the entirety of Baby Shark. We had a playbook that weren't plays. So, and this was all started before I even started playing. So, like, in at some point between 2000 and 2007. All of this was put into place. Ziggy probably has a better idea of like how it got all started. Um, but Baby Shark was one. We'd sing the entire song before we started playing. We also had Dead Fish, which is something we pulled at MSU a couple times, where on opening rush, everyone had to drop to the ground and start flopping around like a fish um, because we knew that we were already losing like 9-1. to one. If that, <laughs> it might have been more. And then there was the Iron Curtain where everyone locked arms and instead of running towards the center you just slowly marched in a in a line pretty much red rover style across the entire court so it was a team suicide in addition to the just, fact you're that just taking fire while this is happening i imagine yep. oh yep. gosh so it, it was really fun to play against so i can tell you that um, yeah which is why we're always undefeated yeah it's <laughs> fun it was great i mean that was my first experience at nationals 2009 against DePaul and I had no idea what to expect because we'd always heard uh, them referred to as the court jesters and um, they they lived up to the name I just I, I've never seen a group of people just flop on the ground like a fish so that was interesting so I I, I need to go back before so baby shark the the song that has just been <laughs> going non-stop across the internet very recently has been around for more than the last like nine months it's it's been around for yeah yeah it, it was around like 
at some point in the 2000s. That's I don't know why it made a resurgence now, but like that's been a, so when it finally started coming back, I posted in the DePaul like alumni group that it was making a comeback, Ugh. but we've held it solid for like <laughs> over 15 years. Oh man, that, that, oh, oh, I hate that song. I hate everything about it, but <laughs> if I, yeah, I guess I would just have to just see it to believe that it was that it existed before that. I just dang you, Facebook, and I don't know if you're listening, Orlando Hooch, but I hate when you play that crap. I, I just uh, just just be crazy. <laughs> but it's crazy that it's been around since before then. Um, and I also want to go back to um, the documentary. So, is this something that uh, you think Paul and or Connor might share for the rest of us, or like, do we just is it like? Oh yeah. So they said they were going to repost it. I don't, awesome. I think it was just like a Vimeo thing where it ended up getting taken down. Just um, neg or neglect maybe or just hasn't been around for. But it's, it's just awesome. I've been sharing this video, at least I used to for a good long while. Actually, Sergio also shared it in the dodgeball family group a while back. Um, but if you were to click on the link now, it won't work. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just like really great insight onto into how the club got started, the existing members that were in the club, those first matches. Like as Felix said, um, Bomas was an integral part in like organizing pretty much the entire NCDA. He's the reason we got nonprofit status in the first place because um, he was in law school and was like a starting lawyer and fronted all of the money to pay for the applications. Nice. So. So I will I will interject there. Um, he he offered to do that, but then he got too busy and oh, he had really? to back out. Yeah, yeah. So um, Zig and I were the ones that did that, but he he was the one that gave us the idea, kind of gave us the framework of this. These are the reasons why you should do nonprofit. Um, and it was it was to the point where I was just finishing up grad school and I had time because I was just spending a summer bartending. So I was like, I'll just do this. Um, Bomus is busy, so. Ah. So thank you for correcting me. I totally yeah. thought otherwise. Yeah, so thank you and Ziggy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, Bomus is the one that really set those wheels in motion. None of us had ever thought about taking it um, to that type of uh, level of legitimacy. It, yeah, it's a, it's a huge undertaking. Um, I mean, it costs, was it like $500 to apply for it? And then you have to just be completely thorough and, and, and transparent and, and everything that the organization does. Like I, it's a, I imagine it's a pretty big hurdle to 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 go over. Um, so I'm kind of thinking to go back just a little bit. Um, cover the documentary. Um, so and actually, I think you, Sergio, he he had asked. Um, he said outside of the NCDA, NDL, DWC, and pre-elite era, uh, was there a marquee tournament that the North had? And I think, Brett, you might have been alluding to that a little bit. I don't know if that was with NADA or with the uh, Western Springs Dodgeball, but would it be safe to say that up until the first DWC from the NDL in 2005, NADA was where it was at? Like, is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably where it... Yeah, I mean, it, NADA had solid turnouts, I think, every year, and then... The, the outdoor nationals right after the movie came out, there were like a hundred teams, which I think you, we would probably get like 15 teams a tournament, which was respectable. But then like 
the and there are multiple divisions too. There's like men A, men B, men C. And then you have like women's and there's like a high school division. So there's like a ton of divisions. And when I say like 15 teams, they're like 15 and like men A. But uh, NATO is definitely kind of the go-to. Like this is what you get geared up for. Um, and then uh, yeah, then we started hearing about the NDL out in Vegas. Um, and Western Springs sent some teams out there. Steve, I'm sure you know the names like Zach Sullen, uh, Brian Jenkins, Brian Blow, Brad Rackow, uh, Greg Casalino. They're that all name. Western Springs players. I mean, they're all um, – or if you know about Cheesy Crackers, that was uh, – that, Oh, uh, you just said his name too. Um, shoot. Brian Blow. Was it Brian Lilda? No offense to him, but like the the little guy, Craig Cosolino. No, that was um, Lil Mac. Uh, oh, Mike McDonald. Yeah, Mike he McDonald's. he won the he won the second DW or the the pretty last it? man standing. There we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that cheese and crackers team was in at Western Springs. We were the kings, and I mean, going we had just won outdoor nationals that year, and that whole team were like they're like we're going to Vegas. And they asked me, like, you want to go? And I was like, I never played rubber dodgeball before. And I was like, I didn't have the money to go to Vegas for three days to play dodgeball. So I, I didn't go, but they went. I think they got second day here. Um, and then they kind of just kept going back. But guys like Casalino went, like, every year. Um, Rakow made returning trips. Um, most of those guys all played on Vendetta for, like, the longest time yep. when NDL was going. Yeah, I remember uh, – I'll never forget Greg Casalino's um, – I think it's like his shaggy hair, but his goggles, I think that he used to have. They look like uh, Rex goggles. Specs. Yeah. Rex Specs. Legendary. Yeah, yeah had he, his Rex Specs and his fro, and yeah. Yeah, he uh, he reminded me, or just so I don't know if you guys know, maybe you know him now, Glenn, Jesse Soto from, from the West. Yeah. I yeah. used to think that was him. I was like, oh, it's that, it's that one guy with the uh, the goggles. Like, he's still playing. He's still around. And then I found out he's <laughs> a totally different person. So, um, yeah, some of, some of those names do definitely strike a... Uh, ring a bell and but up up until then nada was where's that did you, any of you guys ever hear about like the los angeles dodgeball society or did you see anything on the west coast um before 2004 not really i mean like when i got into dodgeball in 2004 um it was either nada like brett said or we would just try to find random dodgeball tournaments anywhere in the midwest we would just google it like whether it be in like Amboy, Illinois, or like <laughs> like where was Dak Fact, Devin? It was uh, um, Rock Island. Rock Island, Illinois, and then like there'd be random tournaments in Wisconsin and Michigan and Indiana. And uh huh. it was mostly just fundraiser tournaments for something, whether it be run by a church or some kind of nonprofit. Um so it was either NADA or some random charity tournaments. We didn't necessarily have like leagues per se. It was mostly just open gym too. So that's kind of how like we traveled around and got to find other dodgeballers was just through these random tournaments and then inviting them to come play in NADA. That's so crazy. It, it just the parallels like blow my mind because it's it was the same it's some random charity tournament that we found out about or some bar tournament where you know they're offering like a 500 dollars cash prize and 
there'd be no like the concept of practicing the concept of like buying a 45 dollar team jersey like never crossed our minds up until no we, we purposely didn't want to look the same either <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like you guys want to look wilder or like what, what do you mean by that we just didn't i don't know we wanted to wear whatever we wanted <laughs> aka white t-shirts and sharpies yeah i mean kind of was picturing or like outrageous costumes or something, but just no, uh, like definitely not the, the the type of, I mean, teams nowadays, like we've got group chats, we've got Facebook pages. Obviously, Facebook wasn't really around back then, but um, the, the the difference between traveling competitive teams now and then is, is just completely different. I mean, who would have thought? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, I don't see like these random charity tournaments anymore. Like, even NADA is now dead. It's all just the competitive tournaments now it's either elite or usa dodgeball or ncda or man skyzo's not even here anymore right yeah yeah Devin and uh, i were talking about oh what's that cat oh sorry i was gonna ask brett if he knew when aberdeen started i think aberdeen started uh 2007 would be the earliest i started hearing about it um and that was just a that was a college group out of UIC University of Illinois or Chicago. That Aberdeen was awesome. I thought they were Aberdeen from- was great because I went there like I started going in 2007 and I wasn't sure if it had already been around before that. That's where I first started learning Pinch 8.5 from Aberdeen or from the yeah Street from Angels? from Aberdeen. That yeah, that's the same uh, the same group. So was this a, like another? Um, like organization kind of pseudo organization where they just play open gym all day or like how did no. um <laughs> uh, everyone just took over like a roller hockey rink in uh like in an outdoor park by uh university of illinois chicago <laughs> at night so it was yeah, even at night. better yeah and if you got hit in the face whoever hit you in the face had to hug you with eight points oh yeah <laughs> that's hug. awesome i uh i'm gonna deviate just for a second because I, I remember seeing Aberdeen Street Ninjas I think the NDL promoted them saying like this is one of the teams that's coming and just because they're ninjas they just already sounded awesome but I think I found like their blog on Blogspot to see people an idea of like how long ago this was um, I always thought they were from like Seattle that's crazy but I remember like I'm looking at like a little ninja holding like he's balancing a, a red dodgeball on his fingertips like it'd be a basketball and he's got like little converse sneakers on because put... players would like run up the chain fence and do flips and dodge and stuff like that of course they had to be ninjas. I, know, I, I just made that up i i would believe it <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but then there was also another league that we did not know about and i didn't actually find out about them until probably like three years ago when we went to a charity brewery tournament um, on the south side that there was a rival dodgeball group in Wicker Park oh, yeah. on the north side and they were called like the High Tea Society or something, yeah, something crazy like, like that. that and they basically like kind of talked I don't know if they did this in real life but in like online they would speak with like Victorian dialect oh, <laughs> and <laughs> there were they like would have it was like I swear to god it was like West Side Story because I ended up talking to one of the guys from that group video. 
of a challenge between Aberdeen and them. Yeah, it was like rival dodgeball games. That's awesome. I don't have like all the <laughs> details this? on it, but I found out about it like three years ago, and it was like mind blown. I had never heard of that one. Dodgeball wicked. I didn't even they, know they, they existed. Yeah, they, I found out of they them. From they had like a formal challenge against Aberdeen. And I think it was like 2009 or 2010. And there was like a. It, it was like a whole thing. There's a video of that around there somewhere. Maybe yeah, I've seen that video. <laughs> That's incredible. It's like a. Yes, yeah, I mean it's. I mean it's kind of corny, but it is what it is. And yeah, it's funny but like, who's time. to say like how many other dodgeball groups existed and then disbanded without our knowledge? Yeah. Yeah, Get, remember when we found uh, in Hoffman Estates in the hockey rink with Baron and that crew? Oh, yeah. There was like 50, 60 people that night just yeah, playing in a hockey crazy. rink. That was random. Yeah, they were like, oh, just bring your beers. Just clean yeah. up yourself and use a koozie or a paper bag. <laughs> I still, I kind of see that video. I, that, that cracks me up just the I'll thought try, of... I'll try and dig it out. It's, it's buried somewhere deep in the internet. <laughs> yep, it's just gotta be there. And, it's in the deep dark corners of YouTube. Yep, like when yeah. back when. Uh, Along with Delta, Felix, <laughs> it's buried with Delta. You can't find anything about them. I'm pretty sure they didn't exist, even though they got like second at nationals the first year. Huh. They were such dicks. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh? What, what's Delta like? A uh, rival team? Delta or? Community College. They were. Um, it's like a feeder school for Saginaw Valley State University. Okay. And um, a lot of what, what would then become big NCDA names, they started at Delta, um, and then they they just disappeared because it's a community college, so people didn't go there for very long. Right. And so they, they were big for. A hot minute and then disappeared into the ether that's funny just the ether and the dark spaces of the internet where we will find the aberdeen street dodgeball ninjas rest in peace and wicker park <laughs> high tea society <laughs> and any other manner of madness and, and hilarity and that was once dodgeball pre uh shoot i mean maybe even pre-elite um so going to 2004, 2005 ish. I mean, you guys kind of talked about you, you found out about the NDL. We talked about some of the teams and, and people that went out there. But for for us, you know, the NDL came in, took their claim, and they're like, "We are the premier dodgeball organization," and they put on a really good, polished product. Um, we can maybe debate that later in the future. But as far as like image goes, it looked like it was legit. Did you guys have that same? impression from them like when you saw and heard about it was it just we have to go to vegas or what was or what was like the impact that it had once you guys found out about it yeah i mean uh, um I, the last time we spoke about this steve i mentioned that like yeah I, when i was looking up dodgeball i found their amazing looking website and uh <laughs> you know and i noticed like uh just the the older Chicago players like Jenkins and Lowe and Kaz, they were all on the Chicago Vendetta. And I was like looking at my friend Kyle, I'm like, oh my God, we got to go to this. Like we have to go. And we're like young and poor and we can't get our friends to get together and make a team and go to this. So we just signed up as free agents just, just because we just wanted to experience it. And what, we eventually what was this followed you. I'm sorry. What, when was, we eventually oh, followed sorry. you. Uh, this was a uh, let's see i found out about it i went there 2008 that 2008. summer and then cat you're saying like 
eventually other people from your area went to follow Glenn to this NDL, these, these DWCs? Is that what yeah, we, we brought like what, three or four teams? Yeah, which, like it was always hard, like trying to get all the Chicago people to go because no one, you know, because flights are always expensive and like getting time off of work and like in between school and all that stuff. And eventually like we all made an effort to bring like two or three teams one year. <laughs> but that wasn't until what 2011 2012 2011 I think I was 21 no it was 2012 yeah because that's okay so the only good thing that came out of NDL besides the fact that I now have a wonderful group of friends all the way across the country is that practicing for the NDL was the reason that Devin and I met that was backyard tournament and practicing okay. for the NDL well, I'm oh glad yeah, some good that's right. That and uh, I mean, the only time <clears throat> I'm just I ever a matchmaker. Hell was uh, like I started playing in 2005, and uh, I'm I'm friends with uh, Glenn's younger sister, and uh, she was telling me like, "Oh, my brother travels; he's a professional." Da, 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 and I was like, <laughs> I was just in, like, I love Brandon. 16, 17. I was just in awe of this. I was like, I'm gonna be that guy one day. And then eventually, she brought him to like our open gym, and he just blasted me over and over again i was like i'll get better i'll get better i'll get better and then the actual time i was gonna be able to go which is probably gonna be like 2013 i ended up not being able to make it because we all were like all right no more ndl anymore yeah and and yeah. good for you for that was like oh god i this can be a whole other episode of 2013 the final dwc <laughs> that was uh isn't that one isn't that what you want felix isn't that yeah, one that, uh, that was my first year yeah <laughs> oh great <laughs> great time to be there it was it was terrible. We had not we had no fun at all. Um, <laughs> we no fun had. We well, I ended up we ended up leaving the gym like after whatever division that we played in, and we just kind of looked at each other like, do we just not want to go back to the gym? So I texted <laughs> I texted Ed and said, hey man, we're gonna like just go drink instead. We're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he wasn't super thrilled, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, he he may have gotten over it. I don't really know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You already had your money. Yeah. 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 He already got the registration. It's not like it was going to take much for him to just take your name out of the hat. I mean, the, the tournament still continued, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Is, uh, Brad, how about you? When was the first time you went to an NDL tournament, if you did? Uh, first year I went was 2010. 2010. Uh, Glenn yeah. dragged me out there, and we. It was Glenn, myself, and Ben, and uh, Paul Hillebrand, and uh, can't remember the rest. Of the I think Fallen too. No, no, he wasn't there. Oh, Kaz. And we had someone mm. else. And um, that was the very first time I ever played competitive rubber. I had never even played competitive rubber, and I flew out to go play in a tournament. So it was like a real I uh, opening situation for myself and. I remember we had a. I'm not going to say Glenn. Don't say his name, but I'm, we had a player on our team who we none of us had met, and we're like, we need a guy. And this was also the first time I met Mark. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we got so and so, and he's like, dude's a meatbag, <laughs> and I just lost it. And I just look at, I just look over at Glenn, and, and I'm like, you mother. You drank out there and got a bag on our team, and he's just like, I don't even know. And it was just, we were so like, 
we were so like we were because we were so focused on the uh, the foam division because that's I think that was the first year when they had it maybe. So yeah, we were pumped up to do that, and that was actually like our worst division. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah, we lost the first round or whatever. To the Canadian team. We're all, like, what the f- happened? <laughs> we're really good at this. <laughs> so you said uh, you said don't name him, but then you you named a Mark. This wasn't Acom. No, was Mark. It? Okay. No, a- no, no. He was on a different yeah, team. Mark, Mark Acom was the one who came up to me and told me like, yeah, he was. I think he was on a syndicate or something, and he came yeah. up and he's like, that dude's a. F- meat bag <laughs> I can like picture I can like it's like burned in my head when I I can just hear Mark say it like <laughs> meat bag listen we needed one and his profile <laughs> pictures looked good <laughs> they did look it was good. like the IDL site and the crazy thing is that dude won like three divisions that year and we're like what the f- yeah, where, other where was that yeah. yeah we're like how the f- did he, what was he doing with us? <laughs> like freaking lollygagging or something. We don't. Uh, we don't want to talk about who this is. We can't. We can't say. I'm not. I'm not gonna out that guy. No. All right. Fair enough. He's not a. I don't think he even plays anymore. Not, he may not play anymore, but you know, I'm not gonna. If one of you be so I mean, kind as to put him in, in the messenger, feel, just for my own sake. Like, why do I feel like I know what you guys are talking about? I, Let's he, move he was on. A West Coast he was a West Coast player. He we all know a bunch of people. I didn't even. Hey, I'll, I'll private message. You. Awesome. <laughs> I gotta know. Um, I can't. Well, we can definitely dig into some of the more like latter parts of the NDL because I, I feel like 2007 to 2010 might have been like their their peak, like their their golden era. Because 2004, 2006, they're kind of still figuring themselves out. And uh, getting, getting, doing away with like the, the crappier teams, and and bringing in te- teams that are have found out that there's a lot of competition. So I definitely kind of see how that changed you guys' scope. But um, there's one comment that one of you guys left, and it was I'm not sure if Bexley had a club or the group that traveled over were just a random group of guys. And you're saying that this was uh, a Bexley tournament from 2006 to 2009. Don't you guys remember who who wrote that or what that was about? And Furlong what, uh, what could probably elaborate a little bit on that because uh, I remember these guys and they were a bunch of tools. Is this a school so, or what, what was Bexley? The, the, the Bexley um, team was a there was a group of guys from Bexley, Ohio, and this goes way back. This goes probably two thousand, two thousand one, or no, probably ninety nine to two thousand. Is oh, when wow. there's a group of guys out of Bexley, Ohio. They showed up to NADA tournaments wearing girls high school basketball outfits they were called the bexley wreckers and the jersey said bexley on them but i mean in nada they had a thing where it was whoever if whoever won outdoor net or indoor nationals and outdoor nationals in the same year on both of the national quote national championships in the same year so they made a thing called like the bexley cup because oh, um, they were the first team was, to do it. Yeah, because the Bexley Wreckers were the first team to accomplish that feat. And then they, they kind of fell off the map like 2003. They didn't. They stopped showing up for tournaments. And then and I think right after the big dodgeball boom, they came back for one outdoor nationals. Um, and they just happened to be in our pool. And uh, that was a pretty <laughs> heated match because they were not – 
I mean, they hadn't played in a long, long time, but they were not used to losing. And boy, were they losing. And uh, they were not. It, it was that was probably one of like the most intense matches I've ever seen played. But they also uh, they also tried running their own tournament in Bexley, Ohio. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure like if it was, was those the guys from that team. I, I never went to that tournament. So the few I didn't make it to, but uh, we did send like one of the Western Springs teams did go P squared. Yeah, we went. We went to and like the winning prize was a, a year of Chipotle or something. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, That's a good prize. I've just uh, I found an article about the uh, it mentions the Bexley Cup from 2004, <clears throat> and it's from uh, Chicago Tribune, Schomburg, and it just said it's honoring the uh, the Bexley Wreckers. And uh, I'm, did you did, do you remember if you guys won that game, Brett? Like, did you guys destroy them against Bexley? Yes. Oh yeah, we just yeah yeah. It, it was a pretty intense match, and then there we played them in pool play, and then one of the other. Um, one of the other uh, elimination games was against one of our Western Springs teams, the Queens. And that, that match was, I mean, it was an elimination and the Queens were one of the best teams in at Nada and Bexley had a huge reputation. And like, it was like six deep around this court. I mean, uh, and it's crazy. I've never seen anything like it. It was such like a crazy intense match and had like everyone's attention. And I'm pretty Queens, sure that's what gave me the Queens spark. Won, but, uh, yeah. That's what that was the first match that I was like, oh my god, what is this? I think you remember saying something like that in yeah. that interview, Glenn. And uh, yeah, for anybody that's that's listening and you want to know more about Glenn, and he, you actually talk about this a little bit in depth when you discuss like what brought you into dodgeball. Just yeah, sprung a I think it was him. that match that Furlong's talking about. That's crazy. I'm I'm reading the article and it's like it's saying this year's indoor champs Western Springs Queens team gets the Bexley Cup if it wins outdoors. The cup honors the Bexley Wreckers who came from Ohio in 2001 to pull off that feat. And then uh, there's a quote. Uh, For us, it's more about knocking out the other teams and getting our name on the cup, said Queens Captain Jim Osterhout, 2004 Illinois State um, Ill State University graduate. That's that's an awesome memory, man. Um, that's, that's crazy just seeing this. Like This article was published back in, I mean, freaking 15 years ago. That's nuts. Um, yeah, I mean, so... There were never of, any articles about the, the yeah, league that I played in. That was all... Uh, Chicago stuff, Schomburg. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, so that reminds it that reminded me of a question that um, Joe DeFuria asked, and and kind of want all of your guys' input on this one. Um, and we can start with um, with you, Brett. And I kind of want to just from like 2000, 1999 to about two thousand five. Like he asked, um, who is the guy and the girl from the north? Um, and are there any names that, that come to mind? Um, like, who, who are the people to look out for? Like, obviously, I could name, you know, 20 people that we all know that are household competitive dodgeball names now. But, like, back then, who, who, do, who do you think it was or, or teams? Um, I mean, I, I mean, to keep in mind that we played eight and a quarter foam. That was our game. So, I mean, if, some of those names were guys like, uh, I mean, obviously, Brian Lowe. Yeah, I was going like, to say that. I was going to say, well. That yeah. dude was, he probably hasn't played in like eight years. I guarantee that dude could still step on a court. I would still pick him up as a player. Wow. He was he was just a phenom. And then you had guys like uh, probably the hardest thrower I've ever seen, uh, Dave Kanick. Um, I mean, and most of these guys have not played in like 
15 years. So like Dave Kanick, uh, Brad Rackow, Doug Rackow, man. Brian Lowe. Oh my God. This guy was terrifying with the stinger. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That guy was the Fleming twins. Um, uh, most of the guy, I mean, it's, it's really tough to pick out because like these, I mean, Western Springs was just kind of like an overload of talent and skill and it. Um, but like Dave, honestly, the hardest person I've ever seen throw a phone ball was Dave Canick, and you, no one will change my mind on it. Like it's, it was it was scary how hard an eight and a quarter phone ball could be thrown out of his hand, and he was only like five nine. I crazy. I went to a Friday night once and I saw him throw, and yeah, I can I can confirm. Um. Mainly because we were all taught to throw eight and a quarter foam at thirty-five feet or whatever it was. Half yeah, of that was, that was a far distance. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was yeah. Plus like spectator seating, and I mean it was a long throw. So we all had massive arm strength back in the day. But uh, yeah, Brian Lowe is probably the most most all-round gifted player I've almost ever seen. So yeah, he. Uh, I remember him playing, and that guy. Like I remember, he would just like look at your feet. He, it was so weird. Like he would just he would like wind up like he's about to throw and you have such a quick release and you just stare at your feet and like it didn't matter what you were doing it would always he would just hit you and i remember like getting grazed on my thigh by a stinger and that that burned and i was like what the what the heck man like he's not even watching me and it was just like really unsettling different style of play and then i remember one time he cocked back and he threw and it was and i jumped and it was going right for my face and i just remember like turning my head and be like i'm gonna get knocked out here it is and it thankfully it missed, but I was I think that was like the most like legit terrified I've ever been. And that moment was like I I'm gonna completely flinch and just hope I wake up okay because that guy was uh he's a monster. He was also an insane clutch catcher too. Like he'd be last in and be like no problem he's got this every time. It's just all yeah. around phenomenal player. He had a really good. He, he like he pretty much started like the bait catch where like he standing there like he's ready to throw or block and then as soon as you throw he drops and turns like 90 degrees and catches the ball with his fingertips and it's like how do you even get this guy out like it's a joke um, but yeah he's probably the best player i've ever seen brian Lowe. same same for you glenn and then you also yeah. mentioned uh, dave canick and some flaming twins uh any others coming to mind glenn that may not have been mentioned um as far as which years? Yeah, just, just just back then that you might recall. You know, growing up with these guys, like the Western Springs guys, I got to see like the older generation when the Brian Lowe's and the Dave Canicks. But then there was also the younger generation too, which mm-hmm. consistently showed up. P squared. Like these guys were a few years younger than us and they started as kids showing up to Western Springs, right, Brett? And these guys were just like, like, insanely good hmm. like um what's his name onion <laughs> and uh blazek yeah blazek uh uh jack John, uh, handles keith yeah that's uh yeah oh my a god group of, like just kids and they they kind of took over western springs when the old guard kind of and like shield. i kept trying to get these guys to come travel to the ndl and they didn't care enough and like we talk about this all the time like what if these guys still played they would be wrecking people in foam yeah that's 
I was just thinking about that because like it, it's such a I don't know what the feeling is. Um, maybe you understand it, Glenn, too, um, or anybody else um, in this in this chat. But like when you see when you when you see, when you see when you see dodgeball where it is now, and you're like, man, if only so and so just stuck it out one more year or just tried a couple more times, they would be, you know, maybe part of Tyler's like top fifty competitors or they, they would be on like these premier Easily. teams yeah and you're just like dang I, w- I really wish i could see what that would look like it's such a it's such a weird thing to be bummed out about or to yearn for for lack of better it words. was infuriating because every time i'd go to the ndl it, it was always just heavily west coast and it would always be like a few north people and i knew we had just deep talent but it was always hard for people to travel there for one tournament a year yeah, and that was the th- that was a sell too. It's like, yeah, pay a bunch of money to go to this tournament, and I don't even think there was like um, a cash prize. It, it was just such a hard sell. But like, if they could just again go to now, where you have our regional tournaments and, and things have just gotten so much better, it's, it's such a such a loss. It, it's it's weird. To, it's weird to put it like that because it, it, <clears throat> try not to make it sound tragic. But um, yeah, if if only certain people just just held it out, it'd be incredible to see like what, what they would have bring to the table but i guess that's just how it is with with any sport in its infancy um how about you felix any names that were mentioned that come to mind that uh we might have missed from the pre-2005 era um i only know of some of the uh the ncda players from that time um but like joe spacuza and dave manley were some very intense and accurate throwers from Ohio State um, both very hard to uh, they threw very quickly but it was one of those things where after college they just they stopped playing um, Joe Spacuza was Ohio State's coach for about five years after he graduated mm-hmm. but um, and, and that's one of the bad things is they were kind of in that, that dead period where uh, they graduated I think in like 2009 they stopped playing and 2009 was kind of difficult for dodgeball if in in ohio uh if you weren't in the ncda at least and so i I don't think they had enough interest to travel out west or anything like that but the the people that i played against they in my league from 2004 to 2008 nobody went on to to play i never heard of anybody um playing outside of that league it was just it was like an indoor uh, rec facility that had like indoor soccer and indoor lacrosse and basketball, but they had a, a dodgeball court as well. And uh, none of those people really went on to play. I think one guy ended up going to mate playing in major league baseball, but um, that was it because there was a university, university of Evansville pretty close to where the, the Metro sports center was. And so their baseball team would start a team every year. And those the worst people to play stinger division against um especially as a young young boy of 14 or 15 um you get those stingers in the hands of a baseball pitcher and it's oh it's a great time <laughs> just the just the worst we had a guy on so our team fun. we had a guy on our team he got hit right in the eye um oh, and it, like it popped his eyeball he just like God. started started gushing and spitting blood everywhere he's like hey guys i think i'm gonna go it's like yeah, yeah we'll, we'll call an ambulance for you <laughs> hey guys i think i'm done i think i think i'm good yeah <laughs> good 
but we got him in New Jersey that year. Um, Black guy was his next his nickname. He'd wear a patch. Um, it was cool. It was fun. Did his eye but, recover? Like, did he? He didn't like lose his vision or lose he had an eye? To, he he wore an eye patch for about a year, um, and he had to have some sort of surgery. But he was <laughs> he was think he's fine. I don't really talk to that guy in probably fifteen years. So. <laughs> God, that jeez, that almost reminds me of this uh, one time. This kid was throwing stingers so hard he broke his arm throwing them. And you just think about like, yeah, good God, like pulled muscles, sure. Um, what, what's the one that pinchers are getting now? It's like a they're tearing their some part of their shoulder, I think. Um, I think Paige had this issue, and so did Kenny. Uh, labrum, maybe. There we go. Pinch, yeah, like, like tearing their labrum, and uh, but like. A guy losing his the use of his eyeball for a year, and a guy breaking his arm like almost in half. Um, those are the good old days, let me tell you. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, how about you, Cat? Like any any names that that you might recall, um, kind of back back in the day. So when I first started playing, when we would have guests and alumni nights, um, Ryan McGeehan and Molly Fannin were like the two that when they showed up I would just be in awe of um, how they're I played with Molly more than I played with Ryan um, Molly went on to do roller derby for Chicago um, she played on like she plays I think she still plays actually um, and then Ryan would show up every once in a while but he was just like that smart player that if he had con- if Elite was around I think he probably would have played it at that time, but I think by the time things got competitive, like he obviously had more important, I think, life things. Right. Um, but going into like tournaments for the NCDA, uh, Alex Sokup, um, he stood out. He played for Grand Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and he actually ended up moving to Chicago after he graduated, so he would show up to Aberdeen every once in a while. Hmm. Um, and then Trepetti. Like, oh, I know that guy. Great. Like, you great like, Trepetti. You play against Grand Valley, you remember Grand <laughs> oh. Valley. <laughs> not, not Mark Trepetti? Different Trepetti? Greg's, Greg's older brother. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, Greg. He came to an elite tournament once. Yeah, Greg played in a couple. Greg also refed um, and commentated the year that University of Kentucky hosted. Yeah, yeah, he came down for that in 2013. Yeah. Which, when Van Ehrman gave me, like, the most killer bruise on my thigh (laughs) because he just unleashed a pinch throw that did not go anywhere in the direction that he meant it to go. (laughs) That's so crazy. I'm gonna. I think Mark Trapetti will be joining me for the uh, the recap of uh, round three. So I'll have to ask him about his older brother and if uh, there's been any sibling sibling rivalry there. Wait, yeah. Greg's Greg's older. Greg's older. Yeah. Yeah. Greg's Greg older. is Mark's older brother. <clears throat> That's funny. Who'd have thought? Um, how about you, Devin? Anybody that comes to mind that you might recall? I mean, uh, when I first started playing, like, I mean, all I heard about was, uh, I mean, Glenn initially, because like, it was just uh, someone, one of my friends, older brothers. So like, I heard about Glenn all the time and I kind of aspired to like, at least play against him 
at least once. And then when I finally did get to play against him and meet his team, like I sometimes, uh, one of his old teammates and one of my old teammates actually, uh, Sleater Dern, um, if he never hurt his knee, if he didn't hurt his knee that one year at Detroit, I think he would be like so much potential. He, he would have been one of the crazier players. Like he's super smart, super hard to hit, like good with any ball type and just like, Good, just really good all-around player, and just like would come up with plays on the spot that would just somehow yeah. like pull off some ridiculous win. One of the craftiest players I've ever seen. Definitely knew how to knew how to use the rules to his advantage very very yeah. well. Devin, I think we should uh, mention one more person that we grew up with, Mister uh, J- KJ. Oh yeah, our 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 both of us, our high school gym teacher, Mister Johnson. He was another one. Like you, grew, like when you were in Lake Park High School, it was like, oh, KJ's crazy. He's the best dodgeball player you ever played against. He's the best dodgeball player, and he lived up to the hype. He would continually wreck us, and if you got him out, yeah, he didn't care. He would beat up all these like fifteen-year-olds. <laughs> this yeah. is grown man beating on kids. Men, women, children. He didn't care. He threw a ball at you just as hard. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and we always, we always demanded to play dodgeball. Um, yeah, like every every time we went to gym class, <laughs> our gym teacher. Yeah. yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He was what like he was like the adult I knew about, and then Glenn was like the person that I knew. Like I'd get to play against one day if I was if I was a good boy and Santa liked me for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just uh, I just just picture this this full grown man just wailing on kids without any shame, and it was that, awesome. And then we would yeah. always like just team up and try to get him out. Yeah, you just you just rush him and he'd like dodge them all or like he'd run straight at you and then you'd throw at him and he'd be above your ball and you're like, when did you jump? <laughs> like you can't do that. You're supposed to be hittable. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I uh, was that Ken? The dog. <laughs> oh. Um, trying to see if there's any questions. Um that pertain to pre 2008 because I think we're at, we're pretty much at a good stopping point <clears throat> or pausing point before we go into uh, part two and then we'll bring on uh, Tony Stempo and just kind of dig into uh, I guess uh, from there to I guess modern dodgeball however you want to put it but um, hey I've got a question how did everyone start playing everyone start playing that's a good yeah. one I mean, uh, I started playing when I was in uh, my sophomore year of high school. Um, I, had, I was friends with a bunch of guys, and they were like, "Oh, you want to come play dodgeball with us? We just go play in this uh, in this church." Uh, I was like, "All right, yeah, sure, I'll come by." And it was like eight and a half rubber ball, and they were like, "All right, we're doing dream team versus everyone," and it was like my two friends and me because I just got adopted on the dream team first time ever playing, and it, like first like ten other people, and we just there was no real rhyme or reason to it like headshots were allowed and we just blasted each other for two and a half hours a night <laughs> just going at it and then I just kept going and going and going and what church was this? Forced it. huh? what church was this? this was uh, this was where where Roselle Dodgeball initiated it was Trinity oh, Okay. the actual church before they moved into that small building got it got it yeah, yeah. so yeah Again, parallels like it's it's always dodgeball in a church. I mean, like so many people got their start there, and so Devin, when this was pitched to you, just like, hey, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. 
Yeah, I was like, I'm I'm down to hang out. Like I'm I'm free all the time. <laughs> like, like why not? Let's let's do it. And then like I kept going week after week, and we just like it. We continued like they moved into a bigger gym, and then like I started inviting people that I would meet like throughout like my high school career. And then like we started like people started inviting people from outside of it, and it just kept growing and growing. That's been really like it still goes on. Like I, we now have the keys to the building. We open and close it every time. It's pretty. It's good. That's cool. You're like the. Uh, you become like the elders, for lack of better words. Like you're carrying on the uh, the legacy. Yeah, carrying the torch. It's <laughs> awesome. I was a uh, once I was a church key holder myself for several years, and same same thing. Just bringing in the next wave of dodgeball players. Yeah. Um, how about you, Brad? Did we cover that earlier? Like, how did you like? What was your first like foray into dodgeball? That was a great question. For you. Um, I was. I just came back. I was a camp counselor at a Boy Scout camp, and I came back from being away for like eight weeks. And my buddy Jason Ram, he's it's like a Friday night, and we we're going to hang out. And he's like, "Do you want to go play dodgeball tonight?" He's like, "I started playing over the summer." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" And he's just like, <laughs> "Over at the rec center." He's like there's a group of kids they go and they just play and i was like all right let's go like i played baseball growing up so i was like i'll be decent i think and showed up and it was just like 40 people in this gym just i was just like what is going on here and i was kind of like hooked immediately and uh um just kind of western springs took hold of me and just kind of stayed with it ever since so nice i like how you you mentioned like just being a baseball player kind of like, hey, I should be decent because I can throw. So I got like the most basic of of necessities for uh, for, for dodgeball. Yeah, um, yeah, and and just one thing to add: part of the Western Springs tradition every Friday night was because with this being the OG panel, it did make me think that we would oh the start God. of every Friday night would start with an OG game is what we called it. They uh, never gave me and, the OG status, by the way. And you basically, <laughs> had to, you basically had to earn your OG status. And that was mainly you became an OG at Western Springs if you like played on one of the comp teams or you were just like an old head, you've been around forever. Um, and it was kind of like you were given OG status. And then all the other non-OGs, like it was OGs on one side of the court, all non-OGs on the other side, and then you played a game. And some nights it was like 15 on like 40, like 15 OGs versus 40 non-OGs or what, however it broke up. And I mean, I'm proud to say the OGs usually won those games, but, uh, they always yeah, play with talk, the kids. And, and we'd always give Glenn a bunch of, uh, crap that Glenn will never get OG status. Cause one, he's not Western Springs blood. He's, <laughs> I don't know, something, some Northwest stuff. We, yeah. But I think we, I think we did give Glenn eventually OG status just because of the honorary. Nice, I'm honorable mention. After it was already disbanded, you're, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> After the decade of well, well, when you when you played on Western Springs for Detroit Cup, you got OG status then because you played on a comp team. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, for what it's worth, so, uh, Glenn, I've, I've bestowed upon you OG status for being on this panel. So, thank you. <laughs> OG, OG of the North. <laughs> OG of the North. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, maybe that's something people will want. Like, when do I get to be OG status? Because um, we got to make being old uh, somewhat uh, desirable. This is what I tell myself. Um, how about you, Kat? What was your first foray into dodgeball? 
So my first two times playing were annual dodgeball tournaments in high school, my junior and my senior year. And then that was just like with, you know, we were we were the girls in high school that were like, we don't need men to win. And so we were always the only female team that would participate. And then we just played against a bunch of dudes. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we played with the really awful like nerf dodgeballs that just floated and didn't go in any which direction that you wanted them to. Uh, and then dodgeball was actually a deciding factor in where I went to college. So when I applied, I got accepted to like four or five different schools and I found out there was a dodgeball club at DePaul. And so that's where I decided to go. Nice. I don't know why it was such like a pull, but I was like, they have a dodgeball club. They must be awesome. So I have to go here. And it was honestly like a really great decision because the people that I met playing dodgeball ended up being like, not all of them, but like a very good handful of them ended up being like lifelong friends and are pretty much the only people from college that I stay in touch with. So, and that's how I met like, Glenn, Pena, Zach Thullen, Devin, like if it wasn't for DePaul and then transitioning over to like playing in Aberdeen for fun, then I probably never would have gotten into competitive dodgeball. Um, mostly because at the time everyone needed girls for co-ed. And that's how I started traveling. That's crazy. So just all points to deciding I will go to DePaul because they have dodgeball there. Like I've obviously I want to say that was the right choice. Just the dodgeball bias in me. Um, but it's crazy when you think about like, what, what would have happened if I told my friend, you know, Jason, if in your case, Brett, like, eh, I don't want to go play. I'm not going to play dodgeball. Like just those, those key, I guess, moments, those turning points in your lives where you're like, dodgeball, that sounds dumb. Now I'll pass. I'll, I'll go do my original plans. It's just crazy to think about like, what life would be like without it. <clears throat> yeah, I could have been in a sorority instead. Ugh. Yeah, it's <laughs> gross. Girl, yeah, no. Thank thank God. That's actually that's how I got weeded out of Rush is because of dodgeball. So it, it just continued to save you and, and provide you with a much better life than sororities. Yeah, because the looks I got when I told everyone that I played dodgeball to Paul, the sororities were like, That's interesting. Ugh. Never mind. Okay. I was like, Great. I like boys better anyways. You are. <laughs> way better off um how about you glenn what was your i think you, you said like it was a tournament that you saw a bunch of high schoolers are you at high school or you kind of just want to yeah i mean a little bit i mean growing up like i liked playing sports with my friends and i probably played some variation of dodgeball growing up i didn't really think anything of it but my friends and i um got a flyer for the summer nada tournament in 2004 and we were like all right sweet let's check it out you know we're good at sports we're pretty good like we can hang um we show up and there's like 100 teams it blew my mind and uh we, we ended up getting last place we were terrible um but i was so fascinated by it and you know i stuck around and watched some of those men's matches what furlong was explaining earlier where there was just a bunch of people surrounding the court and I didn't know anything that was going on, but I knew it was awesome. 
and it just made sense to me but i didn't understand it yet and i just wanted to keep going and find more of it and that's i mean that that says a lot about like your your drive right like you just you you want to be the best you'll push yourself to i mean pretty much past your physical limitations to to get better yeah and like a lot of you know i kept going back to these nada tournaments and uh I think Furlong and his crew started recognizing us and we became friends by them just giving a every every time we play them. <laughs> a lot of my like drive and anger to want to like persevere was from this guy named Slim who would just give me oh every God. game and like I just wanted to shut him up and I couldn't figure out how except for just beating people on the dodgeball court. And I didn't have to say anything afterwards, but it took a while. <laughs> you let your actions do the, do the talking. For right. Words. Let, nice. Yeah. Let my playing do the talking. That's the best way to do it. That's so crazy. And like, um, no, no offense to anybody at all, but like, it's just, it's crazy. Cause like when I think of OGs from the North, I think Glenn, you're obviously one of them. So to, to know and hear that Brett, um, who I guess uh, you've, you've kind of come on my radar for like the past two or three years, I think, just as like a, a name that sounds familiar. I'm like, okay, I think I've, I've heard this person. I know this guy. To know that you've been around longer than Glenn, that's pretty awesome. And you even like have the, they have the, the, the capacity for lack of better words to like give Glenn as he put it. Like that's, that's really cool. I would never have. Um, but there was, yeah, there was always like a respect on the court, I think. like we still give each other to this day like that's right that's just how we operate yeah, yeah I, I didn't i don't think it was like out of malice or anything it just it, it ate no, you on no. and got you got you playing and, and this helped build you your team your your region to what it is now so it's really cool kind of just really understanding like the uh like i guess like the forefathers of of dodgeball in the north the ogs i mean that's just what it is so um, how about you, Felix? What was your first um, dodgeball experience, or what, what pulled you in? Um, one of my friends from high school, uh, his name was Jesse Moore. He posted on MySpace, on the MySpace bulletin board, where you only get five. <laughs> hey, you get, remember that? I was on the left side. You only, ha- you only got to see like the last five bulletins at a time. So uh, there was one that he posted, and he said, my dodgeball team needs a sub tonight. And I was like, all right, well, that looks interesting, and it looks way more fun than youth group. So um, I told my mom that I wanted to do that instead. And this is the time in my life where I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't very social. And so my mom was like, oh, you have friends. Okay, yeah, you could do that instead of going to church. So um, <laughs> my, my desire to, to not go to church uh, led me to dodgeball. Um, <laughs> and so I I joined the the BDBs uh, or the yeah BDBs and then um, we played together for about five weeks and the first night I had absolutely no idea what was happening um, there's these giant men and I was a simple young boy um, and they were throwing very hard but the first night I somehow made like three catches. And so the rest of the guys on the team, the, the older dads that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they're all like, all right, you're great. You're going to be on our team. I don't think I've made three catches in a tournament since then. Um, <laughs> but 
They, um, you've caught me twice in pinch in a match. Well, what? It's in the ball match? catching him, not him catching the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 always on accident. If I ever catch anybody, it's on accident. Nice. Um, <laughs> but they um, they they adopted me and allowed me to play on the team for them uh, for the next couple of years, and then they were all you know, like as I mentioned, dads. So they got busy and didn't want to play anymore. So I started a team of. Um, the few friends that I did have in high school. So it was just a mix mash of, of odd people. And then one of my dad's friends played. So I had a, a stonemason who was in his fifties on our team. Uh, his son who was in his thirties, uh, two of my friends who are wrestlers myself, and then a football player from our high school. And we were the Henderson flash for the next couple of years. And, um, we maybe won three games, over the, the course of that time, but it was a lot of fun. And it was just something to do on Sunday nights. Uh, the, the problem was the place where we played was about 45 minutes from my small farming town. So mm. it was always a struggle getting one of my parents to drive me over there. But then it just became a thing that my dad and I did. So it was it was a pretty cool time. And uh, it, it kind of drove my dodgeball interest. And when I went to college, it was something that I knew I wanted to continue. So I had always planned on starting a dodgeball club, but thankfully when, once I got to Western Kentucky University, uh, Josh Raymer had already started the club. And so I just was able to join. Crazy. And then um, for, as far as uh, NCDA is concerned, what are you again? You're the... I'm the president uh, for the next uh, 10, days. 10 days. My My term ends on the 30th. Yeah, so I was just going to point to, like, you, you mentioned how you wanted to be, you want to start your own club to fast forward a couple of years, and here you are, you know, about to exit as the former president of the uh, National Collegiate Dodgeball Association. So it's just really cool hearing, like, how your stories started and what it's evolved to and seeing where you guys are at now. Um, that's something I just really, really enjoy uh, dissecting yeah. and, and getting to know more of. But, um, I mean, it's crazy because, like, I, I started because of a MySpace post and then fast forward 13, 14 years and we're starting Jake Mason, Mark, and I are starting USA Dodgeball. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. And if you had chosen to go to church, you would have, who knows, we would have <laughs> lost out on so many memes. I mean, <laughs> so many fundraiser dodgeball tournaments, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my soul awesome. would be saved but i would be having no fun yeah, but at what cost yeah, i mean think of, think of all of us um we're, we're all very very fortunate that you chose not to go to church that day um well i think this is a, a pretty good stopping point as i said i, I want to kind of take a break and then um go into you know the ndl which again which i would call the, the better years 2009 2010 talk about elite talk about what brought you guys out um there's some questions to ask um kind of like more pointed towards that time frame so i'll kind of save them for that um i did want to mention that dominic uh borgia asked uh was there dodgeball for the movie we definitely covered that and that was one of the um main things i wanted to cover uh for part one so i think what we'll do is we'll just kind of end the end the interview here and then move on to uh, to part two next so Alrighty, so that was uh, part one of the North OG panel discussion, and a uh, huge thank you to uh, to Glenn, Brett, Devin, 
uh, Kat and Felix for, for hopping on this late and being willing to kind of just reminisce a little bit and, and kind of help paint, uh, for lack of better words, like a storyline or a timeline of what Dodgeball was like before the NDL, before Elite, and my God, before Facebook and, and MySpace. For some of you newer, newer uh, kids out there, um, it's it's one of those things where we look back with fond memories, but we are so, so grateful that we're not there anymore. But um, at this point, it's all about just reminiscing and, and having some of the good times uh, shared for those of you that uh, may not know about it um, or may not know about uh, what life was like before USA Dodgeball and Elite and whatnot. Um, I also really like the opportunity to kind of just dig up some old, old names, uh, be it organization names or team names or even hearing names of players that uh, they just don't play anymore um i doubt this will ever make their way towards them but in a way they're kind of solidified in the annals of dodgeball history and that is i mean if i said it once i'll say it again that is all what the podcast is all about so before i ramble on if you are listening before round three for the north good luck to you be safe have fun uh, we'll resume with most likely uh, part two sometime in the next uh, week or two before things get too crazy with the recaps. But uh, yeah, I guess um, before I get any more long-winded, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. Um, yeah, unless you guys had anything to, to mention, um, during the dark era, um, we can revisit that or we can kind of just write it down for next time and just kind of take a break for now. Cause it's, uh, I think it's like already 11 o'clock for some of you guys. I would just like to say that I, I didn't know the dynasty guys before 2004, but I assumed that they were all just still terrible people. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them were probably still uh, in first grade, probably stealing juice box. They're not that young. Okay, so the first time I ever even heard about, and this is, I I love Kevin, but the first time I ever heard about (laughs) Kevin Bailey was the year that I came back to ref as an alumni and was told that Kevin told his entire team that they could not drink the night before or else he would bench them before their game the next day. I didn't even know what the kid looked like. And just was, because of all of the Grand Valley people I knew prior to them, the only exception I ever made was for the Trapettis. See Trevor. what I'm talking about? They're all awful. <laughs> Already <laughs> breaking the law and just being completely responsible kids. Ugh. Oh, those kids. They were, Like, for a club that existed, like, and was built far, like, has not been around as long as other clubs such as DePaul they obviously know what they're doing for producing such fantastic dodgeballers yeah but yeah no as a DePaul player I was just like who the I'm not gonna swear so you don't have to bleep me out oh that's one um, out of like 30 thank you <laughs> it's okay Brett for the rest of, uh, rest of us though yeah, also I'd did. like to point out that I've almost drank an entire bottle of wine she during drank this an entire podcast bottle of wine during- <sighs> See, that's where we went wrong. I, I should have prefaced, like, if you guys want, I mean, this is what the West Coast did without me even knowing, but, like, just hearing Serge and uh, Joe just cracking open beers, like, oh, it's going to be one of those recording sessions. It, w- it was pretty hilarious. So, 
I'll stop drinking for when we have more time to record. What's the point of being on the older side if you can't drink while you talk about dodgeball? Well, two of you are driving, so probably shouldn't be encouraging that. But that's uh, true. Like, don't if you're driving, don't drink. Yep. If someone else. Uh, is driving, too late for that. 